Now listen to me. I tried to avoid more bloodshed. You wouldn't accept that, so I did what was necessary. But I've always loved you like a son. And now I'm telling you, leave before it's too late. Think. Think. And they're protecting him now. But when you're gone, they're not going to need him anymore. This ends with Connor dead, no matter what. That may be. But you are asking me to give you the key to his room so you can walk in, put a gun to his head and pull the trigger, and I can't do that. He murdered Annie and Peter. There are only murderers in this room. Michael, open your eyes. This is the life we chose, the life we lead. And there is only one guarantee. None of us will see heaven. Everybody, welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. That doesn't take itself too seriously. Don't you fucking dare! <laughs> <laughs> Don't you fucking dare out there think that we take ourselves seriously. Listen to me. I want to make myself very clear. We do not take ourselves that seriously. Not too seriously. Not too seriously. <laughs> and all these people saying that we do are getting me a little pissed off. Getting me a little fucking steamed. <laughs> Get a little hot under the collar. I might just fucking go off on somebody. <laughs> all these people saying that we're so snobby, that we're that we're film snobs, that, I have, we, that we only talk about Kino. I have just one thing to say to you we don't take ourselves too seriously (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) we don't take ourselves that seriously (laughs) oh it's not it's not recording that oh no (laughs) folks we were doing a very funny (laughs) soundboard bit there Should we we start it? (laughs) I don't even know if I can. No, I can't now. No. Oh, Oh, well. No soundboard for this episode? Just trust. It was very dramatic trailer (laughs) noises. We can just start it over. Just all over the place. It's one minute long. It's too late. It's too late. (laughs) (laughs) It's just too late. For no soundboard? All right, fine. It can't be done. (laughs) We're too far in. We've come too far. (laughs) All right. Well, what have you been watching this week? Thank you for asking. I I talked to you about this a little bit. You did. Off the show that um, I was watching the HBO adaptation of the Netflix original documentary series. What? <laughs> the Staircase. Oh, yeah. So you did tell me about So there's a Netflix documentary this. series called The Staircase. They made an HBO dramatization of it. I believe there's two documentaries. There's one that's like British, too. Mm. It's the same one, I believe. Uh, it's 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 a French it's a French team who made it. Uh, a- anyway, the point is they made a dramatization of it for HBO, and I texted you about it when I watched the first episode because there's this really crazy 
sequence where it's like they're driving in three different cars and they're doing some sort of like a drone it seemed like that was like flying like over the car and then it would kind of like dip and like turn upside down to film the people inside the car and then it would like do like a twisty to like get back to normal and then fly over the next car like it was doing this weird it like looked really fluid and nice though like the way they were doing it and it was like surreal and dreamy and fucked and like really cool little sequence of shots i think they probably did some trickery with like filming the street to like hide cuts or whatever but like sure yeah the thing that's impressive about it isn't necessarily that it's like a one shot it's just like just looks crazy it just looks crazy (laughs) and it's interesting to see on tv yeah but i watched the rest of the series uh and it was okay it was interesting uh it was fun it was good whatever but like the really fascinating thing about it is like it brings up so many like ethical questions about like dramatizing real life and like what comes along with that because like you think that's like a part of why they made the movie like i think or do you you just like the audience asked it no i'm saying like as an audience member you're watching it and you're like you're like this is an entertaining piece of media but it's interesting because these are real people yeah this is a thing that happened this is a real thing that happened and like a lot of this stuff is just fabricated and it's not like you know it's not that different from any other like based on a true story thing but because there is a documentary and because these are real people who went through a murder situation like this you're kind of watching and you're like this is weird that you're <laughs> yeah. like adding a B plot about like the son's alcoholism. Oh, where like, we don't know necessarily what his struggle with substance abuse has been. We just know that he's kind of fucked up now. We don't really know what the story is with that though. And you're kind of like plugging in all this stuff. And like, there's a whole like subplot of like one of the daughters being gay and it's like, as far as I know, we don't know that that woman is gay in real life. She She's just, not she out. She just looks gay. <laughs> so I think that's kind of where it's based on. Wow, that's really weird. It's super, super weird. Gosh, I feel like there is some piece of media where... I remember we talked make... about this around um, the social network and how like oh, yeah. they like present Mark's girlfriend as like not being in the picture or something like that. Right. Um, but I feel like there's some specifically like murder adjacent thing where like they're making a series around it, mm-hmm. but the fictional characters like, what the fuck? This isn't how this weird. Yeah. It, it is really bizarre that like true crime is such an institution. So many, so many pieces of media are, did this real person kill somebody or not? And it's just like fodder for you to like talk to your friends about at a yeah, party we, or whatever. It's like weird because it's like with, with the addition of all these side stories, I understand why they do it, right? You're trying to flesh out a story and make it a bigger piece than what is available in the documentary. But it's like, it, it has this like sense of entitlement where it's like, we feel entitled to these people's story. And these are real living people whose mother was fucking murdered, you know, and like, or, or killed or, by an owl <laughs> or killed by an owl or fell down the stairs or whatever. Uh, so it, 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 it brought to mind a lot of interesting questions. Another interesting thing about it that it was, I've been thinking a lot about is, um, so, there's various different theories for why this happened, but 
there are a couple of characters throughout the the piece who again these are all real people based on real people who have been just recast as black people because what? there's no black people in the documentary it's sure, all white people yeah. um, they live in like massachusetts or something right? they're in uh north carolina i believe oh, or south okay. carolina but uh or durham they're in durham so uh durham all their durham north carolina black people yeah. so, in durham? <laughs> sure but like they don't know any of them uh yeah yeah uh but then like in this tv show like a couple of characters have been reimagined as black people which Weird. is very interesting because it's again it's like it's a very documented thing it's like there's a documentary and and everybody who's watching this show most likely has seen the documentary and they're watching it now as like ooh, cool they're making a thing out of that thing i watched right so like one of the characters is like a paralegal who works for the main lawyer guy <laughs> and he's in real life he's just like a, a little jewish dude and now he's like a big black guy and it's so weird it's just really interesting because i so what i read uh the speculation around it is that like is it the golden globes or the emmys one or the other has like now in in the wake of like the oscar so white thing they have a straight up thing where it's like if you don't have x amount of representation for non-white people you're just not going to be eligible for an award anymore (laughs) and 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 so they have a affirmative action quotient i guess so yeah and uh, to some degree like i i agree with the existence of that where it's like for for like a show like i mean we just talked about it on the bonus episode like for search party for example Uh uh-huh like that's a fictional show about fictional people like put a fucking black person in there there's no reason for all these people to be white sure like you can know a black person you can make that work give them a uh, role and it's like you don't have to address it yeah. Like you can just give black people work yeah, or exactly. Native American people work and not have to like really address it that much. Like mm-hmm. just write it normal. I mean, like <laughs> let's get this to this with stranger things, but yeah, it is really interesting when people try to ignore it, but then it does come up and it's like, well, what do we do in this situation? Right. <laughs> Cause they're <laughs> in a cop situation, but they're mm. black and it's like, well, I guess we have to say something. It's, yeah. it's, it's weird. So in this case, it just ends up being funny because it's like you're you're kind of watching it through this lens then of being like, like, what is the rule? Because like, I don't yeah. know what the rule is, but it's it's interesting because like, you know, the main guy, he fucking goes to prison and when he goes to prison, he makes a friend there and it's a black guy. And so you're like, OK, so they were able to get a black guy into the story. You were able to make a fictional character who's who's in the story. You had black representation here. So oh, is weird. it like a is it like a per episode thing? <laughs> like are you trying to win awards for individual episodes? Like what's going on? They do with do that. that yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, it's very interesting, but it's not that good anyway. The whole show altogether. It's all right. Uh, I think it's really, really, it's, it's supported in, in large part by the performances of, um, Colin Firth plays the main guy. And, Oh really? What is that woman's name? That's such an Who plays casting. the wife? Um, she's, do you ever watch uh, the United States of Tara? No, but I. I Who's do that know woman? Who talking about. Fuck, God, what is her name? <laughs> I don't know. She's fantastic in it too. The two of them are very good. Uh, so it's it's carried in large part by their performances. Uh, I think it's interesting that it it has a perspective 
Whereas the documentary very much feels like it's trying to be neutral, but very much pointing towards like, Michael didn't do this shit. Oh, it's Tony Collette. Tony Collette, yes. Uh, Tony Collette is incredible. She's definitely the best. She's of amazing. Them. Uh, Just as an actress in general. She's in yeah. uh, Hereditary. Mm, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so Tony Collette's incredible in it. Colin Firth is pretty good, not as good as her. Uh, <laughs> so this show is like he did do it? Yeah, so so the documentary very much tries to place itself as being like we're looking at this neutrally, but very clearly like we're spending most of our time with Michael. Like we we believe him. This show the literally opposite. ends with him like revealing to everybody like I'm a big fucking liar. I'm a manipulative piece of shit. I don't like you. Fuck off. What? And then the last like cuz he's got that girlfriend who was the editor of the documentary. Okay. And uh this is a real life thing. He dated the the editor of the documentary series. Uh That's so fucked up and weird. But it's like after the documentary came out so it like didn't like necessarily like he wasn't able to influence it but maybe she was influencing it because she was in love with him or whatever the point is for sure yeah uh he ends up dating her and then when he finally gets out of prison for real and he gets his plea deal and whatever uh you know they'd been talking about moving to paris and she's like so let's fucking start packing and he's like i'm not going to fucking paris and she's like what and we've been playing this for literally years and he's like no i'm not fucking going i don't want to do it (laughs) and she's like what the fuck like are are you like breaking up with me or what is this and he's like i don't want to fucking what does he say like i don't want to live with fucking women anymore i'm done i'm not <laughs> doing this shit anymore i'm gay <laughs> yeah exactly well, he is he's gay and he is and, and and she's like did you ever love me and he's like i don't know and she leaves and then he like the last thing is he just like looks into the camera and just like grins like it's very clearly what? trying to be like this guy just plays people He's and a manipulative. Weirdo. They're like trying to play it off like they're trying to like present the idea that like what happened with his wife wasn't like a crime. Like they they present it in court as like she found out he's gay and that's why he murdered her. Oh, and then there's like side theories about like you know they were hurting for money and he wanted the life insurance money or whatever. Like the the is that what the courts found? Like he is in jail, right? He's not in jail anymore. No, he's out now. He's out for real, for for good. He he pled guilty in some sort of a, like he pled guilty to like a lesser charge and a retrial, and now he's out. Um, so bizarre. Yeah, it's super weird. Basically, like the the conclusion of the case is like his plea has to be like it, it's more complex than this. But the basic structure of the plea deal is to just be like you just have to admit that we kind of got you (laughs) (laughs) like if you just admit like the evidence is there you proved your point you got yeah you got (laughs) then we'll let you go (laughs) and then i was out and now he's out yeah yeah you know it all reminds me the what what i was thinking of before it's a fictional show that's sort of about not a show but it's gone girl Mm. like gone girl is a story that is like about somebody who like seems like he did something, but, and the evidence does point to him doing it, but like more, it's more than anything. It's about the fact that there's a media spectacle and like a court of public opinion Mm -hmm. that he has to deal with more than anything that like matters way more than like the truth. And it's like, you have to like prostrate yourself in front of the public 
and like be a different person like because he was cheating on his wife and because he was doing certain things it's like yeah. well you have to hide that or you know all this like weird stuff that shouldn't be related to whether he killed somebody or not mm. that movie's crazy i like yeah. that movie a lot i think i mean i think the staircase tv show is like it's interesting enough that it's worth watching i think the performances are pretty good like the cinematography occasionally is very very good um the other interesting thing is that they show you like visualizations, like fully fleshed out visualization scenes of the scenario where Kathleen falls down the stairs, Mm -hmm. the scenario where Michael beats her to death and the scenario where she gets attacked by the owl. (laughs) (laughs) You see full, full versions of all of them. Is it funny when the owl happens? Kind of (laughs) like you feel bad and like instantly feel way worse because like you see her like get into the house bleeding and sputtering and dying and right. whatever. So like th- your initial shock and laughter at her cuz she's out just like fixing a christmas light and just out of nowhere a fucking owl just <laughs> <laughs> just like swoops down and like hits her head. It's like clawed in there and she's yeah. like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and you're like <laughs> it's just very funny and then she like It would like, be a really lame way to die. It would really suck. It would suck, suck yeah. so bad if you like, got clawed to death by an owl. <laughs> When you're out fixing your Christmas lights. <laughs> so whack. Terrible. Anyway, what did what did you watch this week? Well, as I said on the bonus, I uh I was in Los I was on the West Coast. I was in La La Land in Vegas. Uh and so I was on two six hour flights. Mm. Um so I watched six movies. <laughs> <laughs> um I love watching movies on planes. Uh, How did you watch six movies? You just got well, really nice quick ones. Well, to be fair, the first flight on our way there, people's flight stories going wrong aren't interesting. But from it's like, like happening a lot right now, right? There's like a pilot shortage and shit. I don't know. It was we we from the door to the, of my house to the door of the hotel was 14 hours. Damn. And so we got to the place that the we sat on the runway for a full movie. I watched the entirety of the first movie without mm. taking off. And then we had to deboard that plane and get on another plane Uh-oh. before we got on the actual six-hour flight. God damn! So I watched one extra. Um, I watched two, two or two and a half on that plane, and then another three on the plane back. I guess say airplane movie viewing is like a really premium movie experience. It's so good, especially because I have these like really nice like in-ear monitor headphones mm. and i'd bring my own and then i stick them in there and they sound way better than the ones they give on the yeah. plane um great sound nice little screen for you and it's like a nice like it's 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 a safe space to watch the worst movies yes yeah. you have limited options so you feel you don't feel guilty for not watching a better movie yeah like i watched like you, you'll watch a movie that you would never even dream of turning on <laughs> in your regular life. Like I did on the way to Fest, I watched like Deadpool two. Do you want to just hear all the ones I, I watched? I do. Yes. Okay. First, I watched Licorice Pizza, which is the one I'm going to talk about. Okay. Uh, then I watched uh, Three Days of the Condor, okay. which was really interesting, really fucked up middle sequence, but a good movie. Uh, I watched Uncharted <laughs> mm. with Marky Mark and and Tom holland i think yeah. the spider-man guy uh bad movie but very enjoyable uh then i watched the lost city with mm-hmm. sandra bullock and Channing tatum weird throwback advent action adventure straight up slapstick rom-com 
Um, and then I watched uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. Oh, yeah. I've been meaning to watch that. Didn't like it as much as like people it. were telling. I think I was like. Your expectations are too high. A little, yeah, they were a little. Yeah. I was like thinking it was going to be a really good Pixar movie. And like it had this sort of weird bad habit of just like saying subtext out loud and that's mm. a, as a joke do you know what i mean yeah absolutely um and i was really disappointed in that was the animation good the animation's great yeah uh it's really kind of it's sort of between spider-verse and like a regular pixar movie it's not quite as it's the spider-verse people right chip choppy is it i think so yeah oh, i don't know i could have sworn um I I didn't I actually didn't finish it because I had to get off mm. the plane. Um, so it might like really sell me in the end, but I was pretty like I was getting bored of it. Yeah, and that's never even on the even on a plane. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like kind of disappointed because the the humor wasn't hitting me. Um, some funny stuff, but it's okay. Um. But yeah, I, the the Lost City has some really bad. There's a thing that people on Twitter have been calling like funny energy guy. Yeah. This yeah. sort of concept of people who are in a movie that is a comedy, but they're not telling jokes. They're just like saying stuff incredulously. Mm-hmm. Is that what you know this trend? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 familiar with the type of guy. I haven't been on Twitter in a little while, really, but like, but I, I mean, I, like in movies, like yeah, the, the way Marvel sort of like, uh, um, well, that happened. Yes, yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. Uh, that the, the Lost City was really hampered by that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was jokes. There was like straight up like pratfalls and funny stuff uh, in it. Yeah, but a lot of the banter was straight up just like well that doesn't make any sense well wh- why were you take why would we do that that doesn't make any sense and it's yeah. like this isn't this is just rambling this isn't even a joke and i feel like i blame judd apatow i blame judd apatow because he pioneered a sort of like down-to-earth guy who is funny because he's charming and then he yeah. let his actors vamp mm-hmm and he had very good vamping comedy actors who were good at like doing that. And I feel like that has like leaked into everything. Yeah. And people who aren't funny, like Sandra Bullock is like charming and a good actress. And like, I like her in a lot of stuff, but she's not a comedy genius. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's not like coming up on the spot with funny quips to say. Yeah. You so can't it just like everybody like, can't be like a, a TJ Miller or like, right. a, you know, or even a Seth Rogen yeah. or a Paul Rudd. Like those guys are really good at doing what they do, you know, saying like you're gay cause you like Coldplay or whatever. Yeah. Like <laughs> those are classic lines, but they made them up on the spot, but not everyone's going to be able to do that. And just because you have a good editor who can like piece all that shit together, you're not going to find the gold if they're right. If they're just not a very funny person and Channing Tatum also charming. It's funny cause there's like three scenes that also have Patty Harrison in mm-hmm. them that are like fucking hysterical cause she's insane <laughs> and very funny. Um, but she is able to say funny stuff and then like, it's like they just let her do Patty Harrison mm-hmm. and then she's just like not in the movie that much. Um, so that's a, 
pretty weird anomaly, I thought. Yeah. But I didn't so, want to talk about licorice, licorice pizza. Licorice pizza. Um, Licky Pete's. Licky Pete's. Uh, Licky Pete's is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson's newest film uh, that was the subject of discourse. I, yes. would, I would be hitting the soundboard if Jeremy elected to... Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot. It it's doesn't not actually plugged in. Discourse. Uh, <laughs> we'll do it for ourselves. <laughs> um, but maybe there, if I hold up the mic to my headphone, it would it would work. <laughs> there was discourse. There's no recording. Oh, I see what you're saying. We'll see. It doesn't um, look like it did anything. <laughs> um, there was discourse around this movie about age, age gaps, gaps. Uh, because in the movie she purports to be 28 at some point, and the mm-hmm. kid is in high school, and it is. Uh, I regret to inform you a little bit of a love story. Mm. Um, sort of. Uh, the the thing about this movie is that it's, it's much different than I thought it would be in that it's, first of all, it's a movie about scams, mm-hmm. which I liked. I was not expecting it to be a movie about kids who are scammers, but like, the the thing about the main character uh whose name is Cooper Hoffman and in the movie is uh what is his name Gary Valentine mm-hmm. he's like a really precocious high schooler who's like has a single mom and is sort of like the man of his ho- of the house and like is taking care of his brother a lot and um he uh He's just like wheeling and dealing and trying to make money the whole time. So he's like constantly doing these weird like scams. Like he like Mm. finds out that pinball or no, no. The first one he does is like someone introduces him to the concept of a waterbed. So he like starts selling waterbeds. The original title for this movie was Soggy Bottoms Mm -hmm. um, because he's because of this main sort of thing is that he's selling waterbeds. Yeah. And he uh, like starts selling them without an actual distributor, like, a you know, without actual product. He gets one, mm-hmm. and then he's, like, selling them to people and then, like, then figures out how to buy them wholesale with the money he's got. And so she sort of gets roped into his schemes. Um, the last one being he finds out before anyone else that uh, pinball is, is about to be legal in L.A. Mm. And so he... It wasn't legal? No, not until the 70s. Because um, it's gambling. That's what the whole movie Tommy is about, I think. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, because it's it used to be like a thing that was on like bar counters where you just like flicked the thing and it would go and it's like you'd either win or you wouldn't. And then but you get like money out of it if you won. You had to put mo- like a quarter in there. And yeah, then, but but if you won, you'd get money out. I think so. Because otherwise, like a, it's not gambling. Like a slot otherwise, machine. it's just a fucking arcade game. Like a slot machine, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and then it evolved into what it is now mm-hmm. or what it was in the seventies, which is like a pretty skillful game that didn't really have anything to do with gambling. And so they had to like, there was this like famous court case where they had like a good pinball player, like come show him he could like mm. be skillful at it. And he's like, there isn't even any money that comes out. It's just a, you pay to play the game. Right. And so that happens in the movie and he's like, I'm going to start a pinball arcade and he does. It's like really confusing because he's like still a child. Right. It's like, where is he getting all this money? 
it feels like a dream, honestly. Mm. And there's really weird windy PTA uh, style like asides. Like there's this probably 10 to 15 minute long sequence that where like Sean Penn enters the movie and he's like Elena Haim, Alana is um like in a casting session mm-hmm. and Sean Penn is sort of like a Gary Cooper type where he's like an old Hollywood star. Like he's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And he like, he's like, do you want to get dinner? And she's like, okay. And like they go to get dinner and then Tom Waits shows up and is like, you son of a bitch, let's talk about old times. And then there's just like this long sequence where they're talking about the old times. And he's like, you still got that motorcycle. And they go to like an LA golf course <laughs> and fuck? like, build a big bonfire and like he's gonna do a jump over the fire and then like that happens and it takes so long Mm -hmm. and it's all entertaining it's all super fun and interesting and weird but then it's just like that's it then it's just gone and then they like she meets gary again and they move on so it's like a lot of weird like it's a lot of excuses for vignettes and just weird ideas he had right and what it ends up feeling like to me is like the sandlot Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it feels like kids just being weird kids trying to scheme and scam and do like some thing uh and then it just ends it's just over and it's like what i really was left with was like the only reason this is a disappointing movie is because it's paul thomas anderson who has done what i consider at least three of the best films of the past couple decades like incredible stellar filmmaker Mm -hmm. um and I guess I felt like, why do I feel like I he has to shoot for Alzheimer's all the time? Right. You know, like he can make us fun, vibey kids movie, basically. <laughs> I mean, it's rated R and it has swearing and stuff, but it right. really feels like a kids movie. You know, it feels like a movie about young love and finding yourself and trying to figure out who you are. There's like sort of old like standby jokes in it about like wanting to see a girl's boobs and stuff. It yeah. just feels like an old, a throwback. Does he, does, does the kid uh, end up hooking up with the adult? Uh, n- they kiss at the end. What the fuck is everybody even <laughs> fucking talking about then? They, there's no problematic age gap. If you don't do anything. I mean, they, she, she's the thing about the movie is like, She's constantly being like, you're a child. I'm not interested. And yeah. like dating other guys. And at the end, he's like a business owner. And like, it's not even clear how much time has passed. Mm-hmm. Like, It's like, is he still even 15? And like, uh, he owns a pinball arcade and he's yeah. like wearing a suit. And then he's like, hey, I was looking for you. And then like, he kisses her finally. He's like constantly asking her, her to like kiss him and stuff. And she's like, no, you're weird. And I... She's like always saying like, is it weird that I hang out with Gary and his weird friends and stuff? And it's like, I don't know. It is weird, but it's Mm. like she feels weird that she's hanging out with him because he's a kid. Yeah. But he's a weird kid. And they're not dating or having sex or anything like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, they aren't until the end. And then she says, I love you, Gary. Mm. They, I guess the implication is they end up together. What is this licorice pizza? What is this lick pizza? <laughs> uh, but it's like that, that. That is my new favorite bit, by the way, is like any age gap <laughs> at all. Like, what is this licorice pizza? <laughs> the weird thing is that it, it just doesn't really have much bearing on the 
plot. Like uh-huh. they're will they won't they is like barely the point mm-hmm. at all the point is just like this weird sort of odyssey through la in the 70s yeah you get to see barbara streisand's hilarious boyfriend who's bradley cooper mm-hmm. and he's just like this in this maniac who's threatening to kill them all the time nice uh it's just all these fun vignettes it feels a lot more like an even less serious punch drunk love uh where it's just an excuse to do a bunch of fun visuals that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I liked it. It's a cute movie. Uh, nice. It's it's really not. It shouldn't be compared to his other films. Like it shouldn't be compared to <laughs> the master or yeah, their blood. blood. Or it's whatever, not yeah. trying to be that. It's trying to be a fun, vibey movie about kids in the seventies. Uh, it's also implied she's lying about her age multiple times. Mm. Like she says she's 28 and then it's later implied she's 25. And then someone is like, how old are you really? And then she doesn't answer. Mm. So it's like, we don't even know what her real age is. So in some ways it's getting even less problematic as the film progresses. I mean, they have to have known people were going to like be weird about it or whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying I want to date a 15 year old child, but it's like, I don't know. It's a movie. Who wouldn't? <laughs> a 15-year-old. There's so much fun to be around. <laughs> yeah, they're always talking about very important stuff. Uh, yeah, like tort reform. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what that is. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a cute movie. Uh, I didn't think it was that problematic or anything. It's clearly not like promoting pedophilia or whatever yeah, the fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not it's just not a part of the fact is is that it's okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think if you go in to the movie being like that was this is gonna be an okay fun seventies movie yeah, and you care about L A or the seventies at all you'll have fun otherwise don't worry about it you don't need to see <laughs> it uh, okay let's get to the movie we came let's get to our feature, feature presentation, presentation. <laughs> uh, which we've always called it uh, which is. 2002's Road to Perdition. Yes. This is directed by Sam Mendes. Incidentally, a place. Perdition is Perdition, a place yeah. and also hell. Um, That's what I thought was the idea was hell. Right. But I, it, but then in the middle of the movie, he's like, we're going to Perdition. I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good title, uh, I think. But uh, yeah. So the movie's directed by Sam Mendes, who uh, famously did American Beauty. And then right after this jarhead. Yeah, he d- he's done some good ass shit. I was like, for a second, I was like, who is this fucker? I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, I, did, I was like not excited to watch this. I didn't think I was going to like it. Oh, really? And yeah, I mean, I just didn't know nothing about it, really. I just like, I saw the, I saw the length and I saw it was it's Tom Hanks. Two hours. <laughs> and I saw like the, I read the, um, I was trying to see if Mo wanted to watch with me. And I was like reading the the description of it. I was like, this doesn't sound very good. Really? Okay. Yeah. Why did you think I wanted to watch it? I don't know. I had no idea. All right. I was like, I, I assumed you had seen it before, but maybe you hadn't. I was like, what if, what if this is like, because I had remembered talking about the Green Mile and I thought maybe <laughs> this was like related to it in oh, some yeah, way. Well, both Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, no, he's done some good stuff. He, yeah, I like Revolutionary Road. After Away We Go. He did the good James Bond movies. I did not like either of his James Bond movies. He did 1917, which is 
uh, famously not about the cool thing that happened in 1917, yeah. but is about some British some soldiers. Some stupid thing that happened. Yeah, uh, but apparently is also pretty good, but I haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, really only three movies since 2009, over the past 10 years, tw- 12 years. Um, he's got something called Empire of Light coming out. Um, but his first four movies are bangers. Uh I will defend American Beauty. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was a teenager. I couldn't really tell you, but I think it's pretty good. Jarhead is one of the best war movies of all ever of all time. Yes. Um and so this movie, this movie I saw in theaters because I was mm. a big American Beauty fan when it came out. Sure. And uh, I was also one of those I mean, this probably won't be a surprise to anybody, but I was one of those nerds who like bought movie scores on CD mm. and would like listen to them. I was a big Thomas Newman fan. So we got, you know, Sam Mendes, who had just come off of American Beauty, Thomas Newman doing the music again. I was very excited. Uh, and the score is, I think the thing that's aged the worst, honestly. Yeah, I was going to say, I did, definitely didn't like the score it's at all. It's a little all. schmaltzy now. Really schmaltzy, yeah. I was uh, like surprised how stupid it was at times <laughs> uh and like just missing the tone of scenes a lot uh-huh I, I as a kid i loved it i thought it was beautiful and amazing mm. um one of thomas newman's best works but yeah it didn't age super well feels schmaltzy um it does stand out though um you do notice it <laughs> yes you do um, notice it i can't i i think i still like american beauty's score uh, I can't remember it. It's got that weird like. It's uh, he also did Six Feet Under. Mm. It kind of sounds like Six Feet Under. Anyway, we should get into what the movie is about. Yes. This is a mafia picture, mm-hmm. uh, kind of. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, and at the time, I had seen uh, Godfather and Goodfellas. No, I hadn't seen Goodfellas yet, but I didn't like the Godfather, and I generally didn't like mafia movies. Yeah. But I watched this movie in the theater because of San Mendes, and I was interested to see what he would do. And it looked like a different take on that kind of thing. And it is. Uh, so this movie is about Tom Hanks, who is uh, Mr. Mike Sullivan. He's sort of the right-hand man to an Irish mob boss. In like some middle of nowhere. Not middle of nowhere. It seems like there may be a Chicago suburb. It's 1931. It's in, in the Great Depression. Yes, Chicago suburb. So he's like kind of Capone adjacent, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not uh, at war with... The, the big guy who he talks to in Chicago is Capone's right-hand man. And, like, I guess, like, acting... Stanley Tucci's guy. Stanley Tucci's guy is, like, Capone's right-hand man who's, like, covering for him while he's in jail or something like that. Right. So it's, like, sort of outskirts of Chicago. Like, they're... They're not... He's the biggest boss in that town, but it's, like, they're small fish compared to what's going on in Chicago. Yeah. So... He, uh, but he is not his son. He's sort of a guy who he took in as a child and, uh, is now sort of his main, uh, enforcer, um, which is an interesting role for Tom Hanks. You wouldn't think of Tom Hanks as a murderer. Yes. Um, but he, I think does a good job. I disagree. Uh, (laughs) I think that, uh, so I think overall big picture really liked this movie, had a great time with it. think it was cover to cover a pretty good time yeah uh the biggest thing holding it back for me from being like a great one that i would like really like go to bat for is i think tom hanks doesn't sell tough guy well enough Mm -hmm. and more to the point 
Daniel Craig does not sell loose cannon at all. <laughs> like I, there's nobody who I think is less of a loose cannon than Daniel Craig. He like really seems so collected all the fucking time in this, <laughs> and he's supposed to be like the lunatic who's like going around to like. And he does he's this like supposed to be a sniveling idiot child, and he seems like he's always got an ace up his sleeve. Yeah, but he's uh, like doing this like little laugh all the time that like doesn't really sell. Right. The only person yeah. in this, everybody, basically everybody in this is going against, uh, is going against their typical. Except for Paul Newman. Yeah, I guess so. But like, but, but the main people, the, the main dudes are pretty much all going against their regular casting. Uh, the one who I think hits it right out the damn park is Jude Law. Oh yeah. Jude Law is a fucking beast in this movie. He's <laughs> so good. He's every time he's on screen you're like, "Give me more. Give me more." He's so stop, creepy. Stop going back to fucking Daniel Craig. I don't care what he's up to. <laughs> uh so uh what happens is, is that um there's a guy who gets killed and his brother blames the mob family. Yeah, so they're at the funeral of this dead guy who you get the impression is like in pretty deep with the mob. They do a big speech for him. Uh, his brother is drunk and is kind of implying that the that the big boss guy was responsible for it. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, we also early on we meet Tom Hanks's family. He's got a wife and and two sons. Yeah, they're, the movie's been narrated by Michael Jr. Yeah. Um, and they're who, a beautiful family. They seem like they really like they they respect dad. You know, mom is loving Jennifer uh, Jason Lee yes. doing. Uh, her always underrated work mm-hmm. um she's being never an absolute dime, dime absolutely <laughs> <laughs> jennifer jason lee just always disrespected always disrespected i feel like she's just one of the best actresses in the world fantastic actress fantastic looker just True. all around all around phenomenal remember so, hudsucker proxy ever seen that movie? oh yeah oh yeah great, oh, yeah. great time so 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 uh <laughs> the the fucking the 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 funeral is over the boss man goes up to uh tom hanks and daniel craig is like you guys gotta go talk to this guy straighten him out and they're like, you want us to like straighten him out, straighten him out? And he's like, no, just go talk to him, please. Yeah. Uh, also, in this moment, we see uh, uh, the big boss play dice with Tom Hanks's kids. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like they have like a really warm sort of relationship there. Uh, so anyway, they go they go talk to this guy. Uh, there's a conversation between Tom Hanks and his son about what he does for a living. He's like, don't worry about it, basically. Uh, so his son sneaks into his car to go follow him to work. Uh he is looking through a crack in the door. At- right, and, and the big boss, explicit, Paul Newman, he explicitly says, bring Mike with you. Like, yeah. he doesn't trust his son yes, to do yeah, that. Yeah, he yeah. thinks his son is a fuck up, and he is. And he is, he is. He's a loose cannon. And um, so they're at this thing, they're at the sit down with the guy, and the guy's like, look, you know, I'm not trying to make waves here. Like, whatever, you know, fucking, yeah. I know what's up. Uh, like, my brother, you know, my brother shouldn't have died the way he did he wasn't stealing but i think i know who was stealing and then daniel craig just shoots him in the head yeah. tom hanks shoots these other guys who were there the son is watching through a little window yeah, he, and like, he freaks out and yeah. and they hear him and so they go out and tom hanks is like holy shit my son did you see everything and he's like yes and he's like fuck that really sucks <laughs> i'm so sorry for that yeah. daniel craig is like i'm gonna go walk home in the rain mm-hmm. and like from here on it's just like nothing but intimidation from them like right they're the the mafia guys are worried that the sun is gonna squeal 
So they're like coming to his house, being fucking weird all the damn time. Well, Paul Newman comes and talks to Michael, the kid. Yeah. And he's like, hey, just between us, like, like he has this like warm but serious. Yeah. Like he gives him the money for the dice game. And he's like, look, it's just between us. An honest man, like always pays his debts. Yeah. And he's like, the kid's like, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and so I, I feel like Paul Newman isn't that worried about the kid. No, he's not. He's just trying to put a little bit of a scare into him. Nobody's really worried about him, it seems like. And like, what's he going to do? He's not going to get his dad in trouble. Like, nobody's that worried about it. Right. And Except and, for Daniel Craig, because he's a fucking lunatic. Right. And so Daniel Craig, uh, at like a meeting of the mafia dudes... Uh, they're like, Dan, you're you're a fucking asshole. You killed this guy. We liked that guy. Why'd you kill him? You should. Yeah. Uh, what does he make him do? Like apologize or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he makes him stand up and apologize like he's a like yeah. he's a little kid. Like he's a little kid. And then he's so pissed off about this that he goes to Tom Hanks's house and fucking murders his wife and well, his he son. Sets in motion because he. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he sets in motion a thing with like a letter to like a dude who Tom Hanks is going to collect money from, and and he. He tries to get that dude to kill Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks kills that dude and then goes home happening. where he finds that his wife and son have been murdered. His eldest son was out at detention and he got home late and he, you know, survived. Um, right. So brutal shit really fucked up. Uh, very off. Also really, really awesome camera work here. Uh, I love the way this movie looks. Yes. It looks um, incredible. It looks most of the super time. Great definitely a couple missteps watching it this time where it just looks a little little tv movie in it's certain just areas. old i think it's 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 the early 2000s so but it looks great most of the time there's this one shot where um i think it won best cinematography it should i think it was really good I, there's this one shot where daniel craig takes his masks off like he's oh, looking, yeah, looking at, in the mirror he's looking, looking in the at, mirrored window right it's it's not even mirrored. It's just there's a reflection. So mm. he's looking at himself through a glass door. He doesn't see the kid looking directly at him, and he yeah. takes his mask off and starts brushing his hair. And you're like, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that like is shot and covered really well because you're like scared for Michael, and you're then you're like, wait, what is he gonna do? And then he yeah. oh he doesn't see him. Um, yeah. So I just thought that I really like that shot and a couple other shots we'll mention when they go to chicago it looks incredible chicago very good chicago yeah. <laughs> um so um, so so they they tom and and his son flee town they're like we gotta get the fuck out of here yeah so they're on the run they're on the run they're they're out uh go they go to chicago he meets with stanley tucci who is a big big boss in chicago and he's like listen here's what the fucking deal is you know me you know i'm very good at murdering people yes uh i'm gonna come work for you if you uh support me in murdering uh daniel craig and stanley tucci's like i'm sorry i just absolutely I cannot absolutely do that. cannot do that that's <laughs> ridiculous and he, you know the thing is is like he makes a great point yeah he's like that's he's like i'd love for you to come work for me but not like this i can't one more body isn't going to bring back your wife and kid yeah like go home bury your wife and kid and, and you'd everything. be lucky if you fucking kill like a mob boss's son like you'd be lucky if you're talking about one body <laughs> like you're talking yeah. about fucking you could be starting a war you know right and for him to be on his like he's putting stanley tucci in a position he obviously couldn't do this and i've it's really an interesting this time watching it it's a really interesting perspective shift because from the 
the movie has the perspective. You're kind of watching it through the eyes of the kid, mm-hmm. Michael, where Tom Hanks is this sort of stoic, unaccessible, like figure. Um, and then in this moment is the first time Tucci is like, let me tell you something you might not understand right now. And yeah. it's the first time you see Tom Hanks is like, maybe being pretty naive. Like mm-hmm. he's like, you've been under our protection your entire life. Yeah. And if you go through with this, you will not be, and you're not, you will not be alive after this. Yeah. And I don't think Tom Hanks really thought that through in that moment. And yeah. like, I really love his performance there. I, I, I get that he doesn't come across as like a macho intimidating guy, but he kind of plays it like he's a, um, like sort of CIA man, you know, like mm-hmm. he's a little bit like just self-assured and, you know, he doesn't come off as like cool or menacing. And I kind of like that. He's just like a normal dude who happens to be like just coldly okay with murdering people. Yeah. Like uh, he's just a dude whose job is to kill people. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, I think his performance to me, I just think he's a great actor. Like mm-hmm. I know he's t- fucking Tom Hanks. Of course, everyone likes Tom Hanks, but I liked that he tried to do something where he's not a great guy. Yeah. Like he's yeah, a, yeah. he's a bit of a, he's a guy who's trying to take care of his family by literally murdering people. Um, and then he's forced to be confronted with a relationship with his son that he's sort of not had time for, yeah. you know? Um, and so from this point, they, they like hatch a scheme where he's going to like rob all these mafia banks to like yeah. steal their money to like, I think the idea was like get their attention enough that they'll let him do, or maybe he'll like hold the money hostage in exchange for being allowed to kill uh, Daniel Craig or whatever. Right. And in the process, he finds out for sure he has for evidence that Connor has been stealing money. Oh yeah. But that's way later. Oh, sorry. Um, But, but we kind of like get this interesting situation that you really don't see a lot of in mafia movies where, the movie just like slows down completely (laughs) to just be like, so I know we've got all this murder. We've got all these dealings and whatever. We got all sorts of drama going on right now. We're just going to take a little bit of time here and just really let Tom Hanks and his son, like just develop their, their situation with each other. We're going to like spend some time with them, watch them kind of become closer. And the way I'm describing it sounds really boring and like, I wouldn't call it like not boring, but I would call it really good. Like it's, it's, it's touching stuff. It's a really nice display of a father son relationship in a movie that like, you just don't see out of this kind of thing very much. Or in general, I mean like the, the way it takes its time and the, the kind of conversations how realistic the conversations they have are. Yeah, Cause yeah, he's yeah. a kid, you know, he's 12 years old and Tom Hanks is a sort of like emotionally stunted gangster, but he's put in these situations where he's teaching his kid to drive and he's like relying on this 12 year old. Yeah. Um, is this where they have the conversation about, he's like, you were different with me than Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that is just a heart wrenching scene to watch for me. Yeah. Uh, really, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really interesting because it's not a, it doesn't feel scripty. Like it feels so realistic in a way where it's just like how a kid would describe like, 
I like Michael's performance because he feels like he doesn't always know what to say and he feels like he's not he's like out of line every time he wants to say something. Mm-hmm. But he also like has this sense that he's not going to get to ask it. So like that there's this urgency. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he's always afraid of his father just dying in front of him, mm-hmm. <laughs> which he should be. He should be. Yeah. He's in a very precarious situation. Yeah. So he's like every time they talk, it's like, I feel like I should ask you this now. Yeah. And, uh, it's a great situation. What I liked about this movie when I saw it as a kid was it's like mafia movies are always purporting to be about family mm. and then never showing anybody being family or yeah. loving anybody. All or caring you ever about see it. is them just like destroying each other as a family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like constantly power playing and, and manipulating. And this is a, a guy who really cares about his family and really cares about his son specifically. Yeah. Um, and you get to see, spend time in that and when and not only that the relationship between paul newman and tom hanks is also really beautiful and Mm -hmm. sad and when he ends up having to do what he does yeah that sequence i think feels so built up towards and Mm -hmm. the way it's shot deserves to be i think as much of a classic as it is yeah than anything in the godfather i think for sure yeah um so 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 they're doing this whole thing with the bank robberies and whatever it doesn't really go very far it's not really that important uh but at some point like the the money stops sequences i like yeah they're fun sequences (laughs) but at some point the money stops being at the banks and he's like fuck what happened and they're like oh the accountant took it all so he's got to go find this accountant meanwhile uh the chicago guys are now teamed up with his boss guy and they hire uh jude law who is this fucking like incredible like lunatic (laughs) character who like he's a murderer for hire who's also a crime scene photographer he takes pictures of people dying that's like his thing is he kills you halfway and like takes pictures of you as you die fucking crazy performance (laughs) from him like i can't even believe sometimes like how unsettling he is yeah and how like why didn't people do this with him more? Why isn't he in more shit like this? Yeah. Well, he's like, his nails are all long and he's like, his ball, his hair is all thin and balding yeah. in a way that like, doesn't look like he's just normal bald. It looks like he's like disfigured in a way. Or yeah. Something. He's like always somehow sitting in chairs that are too small for him. <laughs> so his knees are always like really high up. His like, like clothes don't fit right. Yeah. 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 Um, and he, what I love about him is that when he meets Tom Hanks in the diner for the first time, he's like the most convincing thirties guy. Mm -hmm. Like he really seems like, Oh, he's that type of guy. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Tom Hanks is doing a terrible job of playing off his cover story. So, 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 uh, is like tracking him. He like, he like, uh, uses some like phone trickery to like figure out that he's on his way to perdition. And so he's tracking him. He tracks him to a diner and, uh, Tom Hanks is in there eating some food. Mm-hmm. Jude Law goes in there, gets a coffee, and they're like sitting across from each other and they start like having small talk. And Jude Law is like, So what do you do? And he's like, I sell <laughs> uh machine pots. And he's like, Me, I'm I'm a photographer. I work for the fucking newspapers. And he's like, like I'm press. I'm press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm press. And he's like, uh 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 he's like, Oh, what papers you you work for? And he's like, Oh, all over the place. I'm in all kinds of papers. 
I photograph the dead. <laughs> it's so fucking unsettling. And anyway, the point is that Tom Hanks uh, kind of like catches on to what's he happening. It, yeah. He sneaks out the window and, and slashes his tire and drives off. Uh, meanwhile, there's a cop in there mm-hmm. uh, and Jude Law shoots the cop dead in the parking lot. And the only cop that we see in the entire movie is now dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seemingly like people could just be firing off guns in the middle of very crowded streets doesn't really matter it's the 30s Who there's cares? one cop in america <laughs> and he's now dead he's dead uh yeah so they get away from jude law but he's a constant presence yeah uh, he goes that's the first time they find him and then uh, the second time is at the accountant's office and they have this whole big shootout with a shotgun that hilariously performed by dylan baker uh-huh. who's a great character actor if you yes. look him up you'll recognize him um yeah and then uh Tom Hanks like shoots a fucking like glass thing near his face and it like fucks his face up completely. Right. Uh, and then we don't Even hear from so him again until is. like the end. Basically, we don't see him again for a long ass time. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, but also, I guess I understand why. But sure. like, uh, so then uh, uh, I don't know. He gets the files from the accountant and he realizes that uh, Daniel Craig has been stealing from his dad the whole time. So he goes to talk to the dad and he's like, he sees him at like church and they talk in this little downstairs area. And he's like, Hey man, your son's been fucking robbing you blind. And he's like, don't you think I fucking know that my son's a yeah. piece of shit. He's a fuck <laughs> up, but he's still my fucking son. You're not my son, even though you're the son I wish I had. Right. I can't have that relationship with you because I didn't actually make you. And I did make him. And for whatever it's worth, like, I'm sorry that shit ended up this way. But what's fucked up is that like, even at this point he's robbed from him. He's, he's like threatened to kill his son. Mm -hmm. Like Paul Newman is still is like, if you just stop it, it can go back to normal. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't say it, but it's like very heavily implied that he would just like, it could, he would leave him alone. Yeah. And it's so frustrating because you know, you're kind of rooting for Tom Hanks, but you're like, you don't need to like, you can kill him when he's dead yeah like you could just wait till your father figure you know you're basically your dad dies he's an old man and yeah. then just fucking kill connor after that yeah it's just like it's it's the nature of revenge right it's like yeah. if you wait for revenge is it even still revenge he killed his wife yeah. he killed he, and, his and his son child, his like baby. his youngest son like it's it's such an interesting look at like what like what that bond really is right is like there is no reasoning with tom hanks and there's there can't be you know there's no there there's nothing you can say to him that's going to make him be like all right i guess i'll wait for vengeance (laughs) you know like you killed my fucking son like i'm gonna do whatever i gotta do to fucking end you yeah and 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 at the same point paul newman is like I didn't make you like I, this is my son. So I'm going to do whatever I, I have to do yes. to protect him. Like I can't let you just kill him, even though he's a piece of shit, even though I hate him and I love you. It just, there's something, it chemical. doesn't work that way. There's something chemical in you that like, it just changes, you know, yeah. <laughs> when you have a kid and like, and, and, and so at this point it's just like, this is it man then that's it like tom hanks very clearly is leaving there being like all right well this is this is what i gotta do like if 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 i can't kill him without killing you then i've got to kill you too so he goes home writes a letter to his son but we don't see the letter do we 
I don't think so. I don't think we ever get it. But he writes a letter to his son in case he dies, I guess. Right. Uh, which he should. <laughs> which he should. But he uh, miraculously. He, but he goes and he, he uh, just like fucking has this Tommy gun and he's in like pouring rain and he just guns down Paul Newman and his bodyguards. Yeah. They can't see him. They all have stupid little pistols. He's got a fucking machine gun. He kills every last one of them. Everybody in the neighborhood is like in their windows looking <laughs> at him. Don't know what that's about. It just looks cool. Yeah, well, I mean, he's in the middle of a street, a public street, just shooting a. Yeah, it's it's covered. Uh... I thought that I thought that what was going to happen because they make such a big deal out of witnesses at the beginning. Oh, yeah. I kind of thought that what was happening there was him basically like, if he wasn't going to die, he was going to go to jail. Was kind of my thinking was that was how he was seeing it, and so mm-hmm. showing all those people there was basically being like, there's no. There's no, there's no containing this, you know. <laughs> like yeah. everybody saw you do it, <laughs> uh, but it, it doesn't turn out that way. No. Uh, so he kills Paul Newman, then he goes to Chicago. And again, what I will say is one of the best sequences in Mike Mafia film Unreal in general. Real, how good it looks! It, it, it's it, incredible. It looks incredible. It's uh, you, you see basically him and his uh, uh, Paul Newman and his 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 hombres are walking to the car in the rain, and then in. I it's slow motion ish and it's uh and this like cool like matrix sort of like turning shot where like the raindrops are like moving across the lens yeah. it's so cool and uh and uh, it's kind of slow motion and there's no sound it's just the set score mm-hmm. which is serviceable in this moment <laughs> yes uh and uh could have been better but I think it's good and uh and then you don't hear anything until he walks up face to face to Paul Newman and Paul Newman says, I'm glad it's you. Yeah. And then he, and then you hear the gunshots when and he, he kills fucking Paul like, Newman. he could just do it once to the head, but he like really fucking he like, lets the Tommy lets, gun rip. Let's it rip. And it's sad. It's very sad. It's very sad. And it's really good. And then he goes to Chicago and Stanley Tucci is like, all right, so if I give you Daniel Craig, like you'll just stop this, right? He's like, yeah, of course. Of course. Yes, of course. So he goes to Daniel Craig's room and uh in another incredible little shot yeah uh he walks into the bathroom fires the gun walks away and then the like slowly creaking open bathroom door and you see like the reflection of daniel craig dead in the mirror also so good probably as good as the rain sequence (laughs) uh yeah incredibly really really nice stuff happening there it's as stanley kubrick calls them non-submersible units in this movie Mm. um I really like this movie for that, like that it has these like very memorable shots that I don't, I hadn't really seen in other movies before. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, very, very, very memorable looking. And then the, the final sequences, they get to perdition, they get to the beach house. Yeah. It feels kind of like it's over. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the son is playing on the beach with a dog Tom Hanks goes inside the house to look for his sister-in-law or whoever she is. This beautiful, like, white. Like, it looks like heaven, you know? Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. this gorgeous, like, ocean f- front beach house, with, like, this huge glass window, and he's, like, yeah. just He's looking, looking out at, at the beach, son. and, and of course, the presence of water in this film means that somebody's going to die, and <laughs> so um, is that it, a- literally every single time somebody dies, there's water around. Oh, yeah. Um, uh. And, yeah, he's in the bathtub, Daniel yeah. Craig. And then I read later that like the whole genesis of this idea basically was because uh uh the director Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes had read that they keep bodies on ice in the old days. And uh-huh. then he was like, Oh, water, death, 
I'll put it in everything. <laughs> Weird. It was either him or it was the the guy who made the graphic novel. Anyway, sure. Um. So then, yeah. So Daniel Craig is or uh fucking Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is looking out at his son on the ocean, and he gets shot. And it's uh, bow, bow, bow. it's it's Jude Law. He's there. Uh, Tom Hanks is bleeding to death. Jude Law is setting up his little camera to take a picture. His face is all fucked up and scarred. And then uh, uh, Michael Michael comes in with a gun. Uh, Jude Law is like, give me the fucking gun. Give me the gun. Give me the gun. He can't shoot him. You hear a bullet fire. Tom Hanks shot Jude Law. In the back. In the back. Uh, uh, Michael says, I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. Tom Hanks says, I know. And I then know. just says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then he dies. <laughs> uh, brutal stuff. Yeah. Really, really intense. Heart-wrenching shit. And then there's a final monologue where he's... I, I don't like the monologues, I gotta tell you. That also I didn't love. I feel like they both were kind of pretty whack at the beginning and the end. Um, I really like the line at the very end. The it Was he a good man? Was he pure evil? He was my father? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, like it, that. but it's like, it's a little... I, I get. I also get why you don't There's like, like it. it. It I, just it all feels very scripty. Where he's like, he's like, and I never touched a gun again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. And it, at the beginning, I I groaned so loud when he said, "This is our story." Oh yeah, he does say yeah, that. It's just yeah, woof. you don't really need it. Yeah, I don't know. The 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 bookends are a little weak. I would say sure. Yeah, uh, um, and I also just like, I mean. I get that, like, Jude Law probably was pretty pissed about his face getting fucked up. But, like, I don't know. It kind of feels like they needed something else there to just, like, have him say something or something like that to be like, you fucked me up, dude. Like, because otherwise, you're just looking at it. You're like, so what? Did Stanley Tucci just, like, forget to call off the hit or something? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. But, well, I think it's because Paul Newman did it. No, Stanley. Paul Newman didn't call him. Uh, yeah. Stanley, it was Stanley Tucci's guy. No, no, no. It's when Paul... Because Paul Newman is like, not the kid. Who is he talking to in that scene when he's like, I said oh, no, not no, the fucking kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... but uh, so he's communicating that to Tucci, and then that Tucci Tucci's is calling his guy. Oh. Yeah. Because is it Tucci who says there's a guy who's done from, some work for us mm-hmm. in the past? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then... And Paul Newman is like, don't kill the kid. And he's like, are you sure? He's going to grow up and become an adult and he's going to kill you. And he's like, don't fuck kill the kid. Yeah, yeah. And then he's calling his dude who's a fucking lunatic. Yeah. So it kind of seems like... I guess the idea without, is... Without some sort of a line there, it feels like... I don't know. It's just like, I'm like, what is he doing there? You know? Yeah. Why is he still killing Michael Sullivan? Yeah. Uh, except, I guess, because he fucked his face up? I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah, I guess that doesn't... He should have been able to call off the hit. Yeah. Or he just decided not to. Maybe maybe Tucci's turning on him and being like, maybe. I don't trust you anymore. But also, that's another thing. It's like, I, I would have needed something else there to... That's true. But I guess, like, overall, the thematic thing of, like, the violence begetting violence, it's like, kind of doesn't really matter. It's like... Tom yeah. Hanks can't go unpunished. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's not going to survive. It'd yeah. be cool if he did. It would be interesting if it's just like, and I didn't. Survive. We all live happily ever after. Right. But uh, yeah, I I like the ending. I like the movie in general. Yeah. I, 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 th- I feel like we didn't talk enough about the Michael's performance. Um, the kid? The yeah, kid. he's very good. He's good. Uh, he's very good for... for, for for what he is, which is a child actor. He's really uneven. 
But I think when it really counts, like especially like the the conversation I mentioned where he asks him if he likes Peter more than him, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like he's really good. Yeah, like he's able to sort of clutch it out when he knows it really matters. I think he's in a similar position to Tom Hanks, where there's you're asking him to do a lot of stuff, and there's stuff he does well and there's stuff he doesn't do well. Like Tom Hanks in this movie during that middle period where it's just about him and his son is incredible. Yeah. Tom Hanks, when he's like chatting with the guy in the diner, incredible Tom Hanks, when he's trying to be like intimidating to somebody, it just falls flat. It's for me. weird. Yeah. It no, doesn't you're work. Right. When he's like, when he's like, uh, He's like, you're gonna, are you gonna pat me down? And he's like, uh, I don't know. Should I? He's like, it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, what, what is, what kind of gangster are you? <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's scared of Tom Hanks? Yeah. You know, like, who's watching Daniel Craig and being like, I can't, I can't tell what this guy's gonna do next. You know. Yeah. The casting seems perf- purposefully off type, mm-hmm. um, which I think is successful in some areas and success and less successful in other places. But yeah. I think everyone does a good enough job and is a sort of like a good enough actor that it doesn't hurt the movie that yeah. much to me. I think it's still an impeccably written movie, uh, a beautifully photographed movie. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think it's really well acted and, yeah. and in general, just a really sweet movie about fatherhood, I guess. And, and a good parenthood. Flick. I really like it. I think it's a. I think it's one of his best movies. I think it's probably better than American Beauty. It's not mm-hmm. better than Jarhead, though. I'd have to rewatch that. Both of them. Yeah. Um, I also think, like, generally speaking, Jude Law in this is fantastic, and it kind of like thinking of this and then talented Mr. Ripley and like, I feel like I just like Jude Law a lot. I love Jude Law. I it, kind of want to see him in more shit. What's he doing? Where is he? I don't know. I'm thinking of all the good stuff he was in when I was a teenager, like AI. Remember? Mm, a- yes. Uh, Gattaca. Uh, I Heart Huckabees. I Heart Huckabees. Um, so many. Mo- He's in a ton of stuff. I don't really know. I mean, is it? He, he, I bet he's in shows now. Yeah. He's probably in some prestige streaming series. <laughs> uh, such as The Third Day. Oh, he's in The New Pope. Oh yes, he was the. New That's pope. right, he was the new pope, and that was a the young pope and the new pope. Cold Mountain. Remember that movie? Damn long movie. <laughs> Jack White's in it for some reason. Jack White's in it. That's the other thing I know about. Oh yeah, it. he's he's Dumbledore. Oh my God, he's in Rise of the Guardians. <laughs> What's Rise the the Gahul the Owls movie? I think so. The yeah. Z- oh it? no, it's that's something else. This is, I don't know what this is. Oh, it's um, oh, that weird the Santa, Santa Claus, Claus Easter Bunny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic in Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. And that was 2014. But he's also Dumbledore in uh, the Fantastic Beast movies. That's right. Um, you love those. I do love those. I haven't. Wa- I'm about to watch Secrets of Dumbledore. But I watched uh, I watched Stranger Things instead. Ooh. I haven't finished it yet. I, I guess wanna... we'll have to talk about Dude, it next week. Stranger Things is hour like hour and a half long episodes oh really it's, are they good have they been good uh-uh no i didn't think uh, it's so a, it's a little worse it's better than season two it's a little worse than season three so mm-hmm. far nothing no nowhere touching season one no 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 <laughs> not at all 
Season one is great. Season one is like an incredible piece of television yeah, altogether. It's fantastic. And then and they, they should have never, stopped. Yeah, they never come even close to it again. I think season three has its moments. I mean, uh, they all have their moments, but it's like right. the the like the degree of like detail and care and like just like textural qualities of season one that are like absolutely they got too into the idea of the eighties and like making it all about the eighties and shit and like it was stuff like uh you like, don't want to see fuck you don't want to see fucking like goth kids in the eighties that's not the point that's it's, not the point and like. The, that specific thing you were doing with the Stephen King suburbs suburbs. Yeah. 80s. It's like, it's the thing that I always come back to is like when she finds out that the kid can like control the light bulbs and she like sets up the Christmas oh, yeah, lights yeah, yeah. to, to like to with the letters and whatever. Oh, yeah. There's and nothing you're like, like that. There's again. nothing like that again. There's no, there's no like novel interesting thing where you're like, we've created a, a rule for like how something works and then somebody comes up with a clever way to manipulate it or use it to solve something or yeah. make take us to the next point. And not no. only is it clever but it's also like visually extremely memorable and like that was like a th- that was one of the things that was like I feel like people did like fucking like costumes of that, you yeah, know, like For sure. way cooler than any of the dumb bullshit they've done since. Uh, yeah, I I think 3 has a couple of things like that that I can't think of right now. I did like 3 and the reason I'm watching it is cuz they miraculously I think came scrawled their way back from the disaster that was 2. Mm-hmm. Um 2 has that really awful like 11 goes to the city and starts like a a oh, youth yeah. A superhero group or whatever that was so like stupid really awful um and then three is more n- good i think mm. and it's just a fun show three is the one where the there's like the bully with the mullet who's like yeah it's the one where steve works at the ice cream store yeah in the, yeah, yeah. In the and there's like a nuclear and, missile silo in yeah, the mall. Yeah. yeah it's fun it's fine this one is about that good um but they're ju- and i just finished episode three and like <laughs> Paul Reiser has like a fucking matrix speech to 11. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, I know you don't want to, but the world needs you now. It's shut like, shut up. up. What the fuck? How far into the eighties? <laughs> <laughs> it's How 86 th- now. 86. Uh, so they're like, yeah. So they're all 30. Yep. They all look so old now. You got to just stop making this show. <laughs> anyway, Road to Perdition is a great movie. Oh, yeah. I really enjoy it. You recommend it? I recommend it it's for sure. It's very good. Yeah. Did you cry? No. No? Not not about fatherhood enough? Or you're over it? No, just like, I don't know. I wasn't <laughs> in the right setting, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad you liked it. I, I think it's a really sweet Yeah, I liked it a lot. I think it's... It's funny because I think it's probably my favorite mafia movie, mm-hmm. but it like barely counts. Yeah, they're not Italian, so they are Irish. They are Irish. <laughs> that's that's, the Irish that's a problem. That's a <laughs> maybe I'm just racist because Italians. Um, but I think it's I think it's a movie that is actually about family and actually about like why you would do something like kill people for a living. Yeah, uh, and actually wants to give you something to think about with that rather than just whatever the fuck the godfather one is about so i like it check it out i recommend it check Um, it out that's the episode thanks for hanging out with us thanks for listening to generation loss go to if you'd like to hear a little more of our show you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss and be a patron there give us a five bucks and you will get a bonus episode every week coming soon 
very soon. Very soon. Is going to be possibly our most ambitious project as a <laughs> podcast so far. We are going to go through every movie that we've watched for this show and we are going to create a definitive ranking of best to worst and we're going to do it for as long as it takes to do it. Yes. We're going to We have to agree on everybody's position. <laughs> so it could <laughs> well, take a while. We don't have to necessarily agree. We have to uh, come to compromise. some sort of a consensus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll have to, there, there's a consensus on like if I think it's number one, but Jeremy thinks it's number fifty, uh, we'll have to, have to go figure somewhere out somewhere in between the middle, there. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the system is, but we'll have to figure one out. We're gonna do it one at a time. We're gonna go from falling down. And then we're going to go... Are you going to make like a spreadsheet algorithm so that we can like put it places and it'll auto move? No, we're just going to copy and paste. Okay. It's going to... But we're going to go through, we're going to say falling down, and then the second one is the outsiders. So is the outsiders above or below falling down? Oh, right. Oh, and then we're just going to keep doing so it like hard. that. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Uh, that's what we're going to be doing. <laughs> For uh, possibly the rest of our lives. No, no. It won't take that long. Who knows? A couple episodes, I think. But... We don't generally do that. We do the movie news. We do topics. We do letters from fans. We do lots of fun stuff over there. You also get access to the Discord where we hang out with you. We talk about all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, and we also watch the movie that we're going to talk about on Monday, the Sunday before the episode comes out. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can. It's Jen Lost Pod, and you can follow us individually from there. Also, rate and review the show. Really helps people find the show. If Come you, on. Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, I think you can rate on Spotify. Rate, do a little rating. Do that the would, rating. That would really help. Uh, also, tweet at famous people. Tell them to come on the show. <laughs> yeah, and 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 uh, you know, go on, go on, fucking Reddit and stuff, and tell yeah. people like you remember do the psyop thing we talked about where you where we, you just pretend that everybody talked, should know about us yeah you know I heard about that on Gen Loss the obvious podcast that we yeah, all listen to the one we all know yep otherwise thanks for listening that's movies that's movies. <laughs> <laughs>